Chapter Twenty Four of Young People's Treasury, Volume Six Famous Travels and Adventures by Hamilton Wright Mabie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Perils of Alpine Climbing by Edward Wimper. We started from Zermatt on the thirteenth of July at half past five on a brilliant and perfectly cloudless morning. We were eight in number crows old peter and his two sons lord francis douglas haddow hudson and i to ensure steady motion one tourist and one native walked together the youngest togwalder fell to my share and the lad marched well proud to be on the expedition and happy to show his powers the wine bags also fell to my lot to carry and throughout the day after each drink i replenished them secretly with water so that at the next halt they were found fuller than before this was considered a good omen and little short of miraculous on the first day we did not intend to ascend to any great height and we mounted accordingly very leisurely picked up the things which were left in the chapel at schwarzy at eight twenty and proceeded thence along the ridge connecting the hornley with the matterhorn at half past eleven we arrived at the base of the actual peak then quitted the ridge and clambered round some ledges on to the eastern face we were now fairly upon the mountain and were astonished to find that places which from the riffel or even from the fergengletscher looked entirely impracticable were so easy that we could run about before twelve o'clock we had found a good position for the tent at a height of eleven thousand feet crows and young peter went on to see what was above in order to save time on the following morning they cut across the heads of the snow slopes which descended toward the fergengletscher and disappeared round a corner but shortly afterward we saw them high up on the face moving quickly we others made a solid platform for the tent in a well-protected spot and then watched eagerly for the return of the men the stones which they upset told that they were very high and we supposed that the way must be easy at length just before three p m we saw them coming down evidently much excited what are they saying peter gentlemen they say it is no good but when they came near we heard a different story nothing but what was good not a difficulty not a single difficulty we could have gone to the summit and returned to-day easily we passed the remaining hours of daylight some basking in the sunshine some sketching or collecting and when the sun went down giving as it departed a glorious promise for the morrow we returned to the tent to arrange for the night hudson made tea i coffee and we then retired each one to his blanket bag the togwalders lord francis douglas and myself occupying the tent the others remaining by preference outside long after dusk the cliffs above echoed with our laughter and with the songs of the guides for we were happy that night in camp and feared no evil we assembled together outside the tent before dawn on the morning of the fourteenth and started directly it was light enough to move young peter came on with us as a guide and his brother returned to zermatt we followed the route which had been taken on the previous day and in a few minutes turned the rib which had intercepted the view of the eastern face from our tent platform the whole of this great slope was now revealed rising for three thousand feet like a huge natural staircase some parts were more and others were less easy 
but we were not once brought to a halt by any serious impediment for when an obstruction was met in front it could always be turned to the right or to the left for the greater part of the way there was indeed no occasion for the rope and sometimes hudson led sometimes myself at six twenty we had attained a height of twelve thousand eight hundred feet and halted for half an hour we then continued the ascent without a break until nine fifty five when we stopped for fifty minutes at a height of fourteen thousand feet twice we struck the northeastern ridge and followed it for some little distance to no advantage for it was usually more rotten and steep and always more difficult than the face still we kept near to it lest stones perchance might fall we had now arrived at the foot of that part which from the riffelberg or from zermatt seems perpendicular or overhanging and could no longer continue upon the eastern side for a little distance we ascended by snow upon the arete that is the ridge descending toward zermatt and then by common consent turned over to the right or to the northern side before doing so we made a change in the order of ascent crows went first i followed hudson came third haddow and old peter were last now said crows as he led off now for something altogether different the work became difficult and required caution in some places there was little to hold and it was desirable that those should be in front who were least likely to slip the general slope of the mountain at this part was less than forty degrees and snow had accumulated in and had filled up the interstices of the rock face leaving only occasional fragments projecting here and there these were at times covered with a thin film of ice produced from the melting and refreezing of the snow it was the counterpart on a small scale of the upper seven hundred feet of the point des Ecrins. only there was this material difference the face of the Ecrins was about or exceeded an angle of fifty degrees and the matterhorn face was less than forty degrees it was a place over which any fair mountaineer might pass in safety and mr hudson ascended this part and as far as i know the entire mountain without having the slightest assistance rendered to him upon any occasion sometimes after i had taken a hand from crows or received a pull i turned to offer the same to hudson but he invariably declined saying it was not necessary mr haddow however was not accustomed to this kind of work and required continual assistance it is only fair to say that the difficulty which he found at this part arose simply and entirely from want of experience this solitary difficult part was of no great extent we bore away over it at first nearly horizontally for a distance of about four hundred feet then ascended directly toward the summit for about sixty feet and then doubled back to the ridge which descends toward zermatt a long stride round a rather awkward corner brought us to snow once more the last doubt vanished the matterhorn was ours nothing but two hundred feet of easy snow remained to be surmounted you must now carry your thoughts back to the seven italians who started from Bruy on the eleventh of july four days had passed since their departure and we were tormented with anxiety lest they should arrive on the top before us all the way up we had talked of them and many false alarms of men on the summit had been raised the higher we rose the more intense became the excitement what if we should be beaten at the last moment 
the slope eased off at length we could be detached and crows and i dashing away ran a neck-and-neck -neck race which ended in a dead heat at one forty p m the world was at our feet and the matterhorn was conquered hurrah not a footstep could be seen it was not yet certain that we had not been beaten the summit of the matterhorn was formed of a rudely level ridge about three hundred and fifty feet long and the italians might have been at its farther extremity i hastened to the south end scanning the snow right and left eagerly hurrah again it was untrodden where were the men i peered over the cliff half doubting half expectant i saw them immediately mere dots on the ridge at an immense distance below up went my arms and my hat crows crows come here where are they monsieur there don't you see them down there ah the coquins they are low down crows we must make those fellows hear us we yelled until we were hoarse the italians seemed to disregard us we could not be certain crows we must make them hear us they shall hear us i seized a block of rock and hurled it down and called upon my companion in the name of friendship to do the same we drove our sticks in and pried away the crags and soon a torrent of stones poured down the cliffs there was no mistake about it this time the italians turned and fled still i would that the leader of that party could have stood with us at that moment for our victorious shouts conveyed to him the disappointment of the ambition of a lifetime he was the man of all those who attempted the ascent of the matterhorn who most deserved to be the first upon its summit he was the first to doubt its inaccessibility and he was the only man who persisted in believing that its ascent would be accomplished it was the aim of his life to make the ascent from the side of italy for the honor of his native valley for a time he had the game in his hands he played it as he thought best but he made a false move and lost it times have changed with carrel his supremacy is questioned in the val tournanche new men have arisen and he is no longer recognized as the chasseur above all others but so long as he remains the man that he is to-day it will not be easy to find his superior the others had arrived so we went back to the northern end of the ridge crows now took the tent-pole and planted it in the highest snow yes we said there is a flagstaff but where is the flag here it is he answered pulling off his blouse and fixing it to the stick it made a poor flag and there was no wind to float it out yet it was seen all around they saw it at zermatt at the riffel in the val tournanche at bruy the watchers cried victory is ours they raised bravos for carrel and vivas for italy and hastened to put themselves en fete on the morrow they were undeceived all was changed the explorers returned sad cast down disheartened confounded gloomy it is true said the men we saw them ourselves they hurled stones at us the old traditions are true there are spirits on the top of the matterhorn we returned to the southern end of the ridge to build a cairn and then paid homage to the view the day was one of those superlatively calm and clear ones which usually precede bad weather the atmosphere was perfectly still and free from all clouds or vapours mountains fifty nay a hundred miles off looked sharp and near all their details ridge and crag snow and glacier stood out with faultless definition pleasant thoughts of happy days and bygone years came up unbidden as we recognized the old familiar forms 
all were revealed not one of the principal peaks of the alps was hidden i see them clearly now the great inner circles of giants backed by the ranges chains and massifs first came the dent blanche hoary and grand the gablehorn and pointed rothhorn and then the peerless weisshorn the towering michel bellhorner flanked by the alelalen horn strahlhorn and rimpfischhorn then monterosa with its many spitzes the liskam and the breithorn behind were the bernese overland governed by the finsterhorn the simplon and st goddard groups the disgracia and the orteller toward the south we looked down to chavazzo on the plain of piedmont and far beyond the viso one hundred miles away seemed close upon us the maritime alps one hundred and thirty miles distant were free from haze then came my first love the pelvoux the ecrin and the meige the clusters of the grayon and lastly in the west gorgeous in the full sunlight rose the monarch of all mont blanc ten thousand feet beneath us were the green fields of zermatt dotted with chalets from which blue smoke rose lazily eight thousand feet below on the other side were the pastures of Breuil. there were forests black and gloomy and meadows bright and lively bounding waterfalls and tranquil lakes fertile lands and savage wastes sunny plains and frigid plateau there were the most rugged forms and the most graceful outlines bold perpendicular cliffs and gentle undulating slopes rocky mountains and snowy mountains sombre and solemn or glittering and white with walls turrets pinnacles pyramids domes cones and spires there was every combination that the world can give and every contrast that the heart could desire we remained on the summit for one hour one crowded hour of glorious life it passed away too quickly and we began to prepare for the descent on another occasion mr whymper had a dangerous fall which he describes as follows generally speaking the angles on the matterhorn are too steep to allow the formation of considerable beds of snow but here there is a corner which permits it to accumulate and it is turned to gratefully for by its assistance one can ascend four times as rapidly as upon the rocks the tower was now almost out of sight and i looked over the central pennine alps to the grand combin and to the chain of mont blanc my neighbor the don d'arin still rose above me although but slightly and the height which had been attained could be measured by its help so far i had no doubt about my capacity to descend that which had been ascended but in a short time on looking ahead i saw that the cliffs steepened and i turned back without pushing on to them and getting into inextricable difficulties exulting in the thought that they would be passed when we returned together and that i had without assistance got nearly to the height of the dent d'arin and considerably higher than any one had been before my exultation was a little premature about five p m i left the tent again and thought myself as good as at Breuil. the friendly rope and claw had done good service and had smoothed all the difficulties i lowered myself through the chimney however by making a fixture of the rope which i then cut off and left behind as there was enough and to spare my axe had proved a great nuisance in coming down and i left it in the tent it was not attached to the baton but was a separate affair 
an old navy boarding axe while cutting up the different snow beds on the ascent the baton trailed behind fastened to the rope and when climbing the axe was carried behind run through the rope tied round my waist and was sufficiently out of the way but in descending when coming down face outward as is always best where it is possible the head or the handle of the weapon caught frequently against the rocks and several times nearly upset me so out of laziness if you will it was left in the tent i paid dearly for this imprudence the col de lyon was passed and fifty yards more would have placed me on the great staircase down which one can run but on arriving at an angle of the cliffs of the tete du lion while skirting the upper edge of the snow which abuts against them i found that the heat of the two past days had nearly obliterated the steps which had been cut when coming up the rocks happened to be impracticable just at this corner so nothing could be done except to make steps afresh the snow was too hard to beat or tread down and at the angle it was all but ice half a dozen steps only were required and then the ledges could be followed again so i held to the rock with my right hand and prodded at the snow with the point of my stick until a good step was made and then leaning round the angle did the same for the other side so far well but in attempting to pass the corner to the present moment i cannot tell how it happened i slipped and fell the slope was steep on which this took place and descended to the top of a gully that led down through two subordinate buttresses toward the glacier de lyon which was just seen a thousand feet below the gully narrowed and narrowed until there was a mere thread of snow lying between two walls of rock which came to an abrupt termination at the top of a precipice that intervened between it and the glacier imagine a funnel cut in half through its length placed at an angle of forty-five degrees with its point below and its concave side uppermost and you will have a fair idea of the place the knapsack brought my head down first and i pitched into some rocks about a dozen feet below they caught something and tumbled me off the edge head over heels into the gully the baton was dashed from my hands and i whirled downward in a series of bounds each longer than the last now over ice now into rocks striking my head four or five times each time with increased force the last bound sent me spinning through the air in a leap of fifty or sixty feet from one side of the gully to the other and i struck the rocks luckily with the whole of my left side they caught my clothes for a moment and i fell back on to the snow with motion arrested my head fortunately came the right side up and a few frantic catches brought me to a halt in the neck of the gully and on the verge of the precipice baton hat and veil skimmed by and disappeared and the crash of the rocks which i had started as they fell onto the glacier told how narrow had been the escape from utter destruction as it was i fell nearly two hundred feet in seven or eight bounds ten feet more would have taken me in one gigantic leap of eight hundred feet on to the glacier below the situation was still sufficiently serious the rocks could not be let go for a moment and the blood was spurting out of more than twenty cuts the most serious ones were in the head and i vainly tried to close them with one hand while holding on with the other it was useless the blood jerked out in blinding jets at each pulsation at last in a moment of inspiration i kicked out a big lump of snow and stuck it as a plaster on my head 
the idea was a happy one and the flow of blood diminished then scrambling up i got not a moment too soon to a place of safety and fainted away the sun was setting when consciousness returned and it was pitch dark before the great staircase was descended but by a combination of luck and care the whole forty eight hundred feet of descent to bruy was accomplished without a slip or once missing the way i slunk past the cabin of the cowherds who were talking and laughing inside utterly ashamed of the state to which i had been brought by my imbecility and entered the inn stealthily wishing to escape to my room unnoticed but favre met me in the passage demanded who is it screamed with fright when he got a light and aroused the threshold two dozen heads then held solemn counsel over mine with more talk than action the natives were unanimous in recommending that hot wine synonym vinegar mixed with salt should be rubbed into the cut i protested but they insisted it was all the doctoring they received whether their rapid healing was to be attributed to that simple remedy or to a good state of health is a question they closed up remarkably soon and in a few days i was able to move again as it seldom happens that one survives such a fall it may be interesting to record what my sensations were during its occurrence i was perfectly conscious of what was happening and felt each blow but like a patient under chloroform experienced no pain each blow was naturally more severe than that which preceded it and i distinctly remember thinking well if the next is harder still that will be the end like persons who have been rescued from drowning i remember that the recollection of a multitude of things rushed through my head many of them trivialities or absurdities which had been forgotten long before and more remarkable this bounding through space did not feel disagreeable but i think that in no very great distance more consciousness as well as sensation would have been lost and upon that i base my belief improbable as it seems that death by a fall from a great height is as painless an end as can be experienced the battering was very rough yet no bones were broken the most severe cuts were one four inches long on the top of the head and another of three inches on the right temple this latter bled frightfully there was a formidable looking cut of about the same size as the last on the palm of the left hand and every limb was grazed or cut more or less seriously the tips of the ears were taken off and a sharp ruck cut a circular bit out of the side of the left boot sock and ankle at one stroke the loss of blood although so great did not seem to be permanently injurious the only serious effect has been the reduction of a naturally retentive memory to a very commonplace one and although my recollections of more distant occurrences remain unshaken the events of that particular day would be clean gone but for the few notes which were written down before the accident end of chapter twenty four